ברוכים הבאים בשם השם ורחנו לכם לבייס השם. Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night share. ברוך השם. Action packed here. Which I have no idea how I'm going to make it happen. Um, Try to do this within an hour. Welcome, Atlanta. Pasha Dvarim. Beginning of the Chumash Dvarim. So much to talk about. Shabbos Pasha's Chazoyin, which is named after the Haftarah, Chazoyin Yishayom. And Shabbos Tishabov. Surprise. Tishabov is here. But it's Shabbos. And the whole world is jumping up and down in excitement. It's a nitcha. It's pushed off. Let's not have anything. It's pushed off already. One day, let's keep it pushed off. Ouch. How'd you get ice in there? Chaim. Yes, it's a great idea. But just in case, just in case, we always set a place at the table for Justin. So just Justin is just in case. Just in case someone shows up. That's who Justin is. Um, just in case has shown. Mashiach doesn't manage to come this evening. Now. Doesn't take us out of Golis now. And we do have to go through the Shabbos. We're going to discuss some of the halachas about the Shabbos. Um, much of the chagrin of Scranton. We're not going to be talking about Pirkei tonight. Because we don't say Pirkei Because we don't learn Shabbos afternoon. So there's one halacha. Mark it down. Keep track. We embark on Chumash Dvarim, which is quite a very full Pasha, actually. The Haftarah, Chazan Yishayo, and therefore the Shabbos, the Pasha is called, the Shabbos is called Shabbos Chazan. Shabbos Chazan is almost always related to Shabbos Nachmu. It's not, they don't work on the Dalit Parashas in the same system. But Shabbos Chazayin is the Shabbos before Tishabov or Shabbos Tishabov. And Shabbos Nachmu is the Shabbos after Tishabov or Shabbos after Tishabov. It can't be anything else. Anyway, um, and of course, Shabbos Nachmu is always laid Parashas Vaez Hanan. And the Yafter would be Nachamu Nachmu Ami. And we're not going into that now. Um, what's very important this, these days, the nine days especially, is the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael. 
to love a fellow Jew. We learned today Rambam, the Ramach Mitzvah the 248 Mitzvah Saseh, as we started now the new cycle of Rambam, for those learning three parakim a day. So today we went through the 248 Mitzvah Saseh, and it's a Mitzvah to love your fellow Jew as you love yourself. Some people just have it in their hearts, so sweet and so hard, so strong, They'd rather hate everybody so they can... They'll hate themselves so they can hate everybody else. Um, it's it's uh, amazing. Amazing. Um, so a little tidbit story on Abbas Yisrael that just happened last week. A fellow who was a Russia Kill. In other words, he had a kailu, which means people that study Torah after they're married, and they sit and they study, they continue their studyings. They sit usually in what's called a kailu. And this kailu usually has, every kailu has a rasha kailu, the head of the kailu. This rasha kailu is a very nice fellow, prestigious man. Big Talmud Chochem, of course. And things started going south. He had a daughter that he couldn't find a shidduch for. He was getting older and older. And the worst pain of them all, his son started straying from the right path of Judaism. <coughs> Financially, he took a lot of hits. Things were just wrong. Everything was just going very wrong all of a sudden. And what a Jew does usually when something like that happens is you go to the ale. But before you go to the ale, you sit down yourself and you do some soul searching. And you try to find what? What happened? What could be wrong? And he remembered, lo and behold, when he was in Kail, a year or two after his marriage, there was a sheer, a general class. And one of the fellow members of the Kail interjected with a thought of his own. He, this fellow who is now the Russia Kail, was very taken aback by this interjection, by this statement, by this thought, felt it had no basis. But not only he felt it had no basis, he thought it was comical, and he burst out laughing, and he started to humiliate the fellow. He realizes now, he never asked forgiveness from this fellow. Perhaps that's the crux of the issues that he's going through. Anyway, he came to that basic conclusion, looked at his watch, it was mincha time, time to go to shul. He went to shul, 
And lo and behold, who does he see in Shul? Guy who he hasn't seen in decades. This guy. He's coming out. And he stops him and he says, Excuse me, do you remember me? He says, Oh, do I remember you? He says, You remember I, I laughed at your your comment? He says, Do I remember it? I'll never forget it. I was so hurt by it. It rocked my boat so strongly that you took away my entire self-worth. And I felt that, you know what? The way this guy's laughing about my train of thought, I've got nothing. I, I, I must be really dumb, and I must be even dumber to have said anything. And the very next day, I didn't return to Kailu. I didn't come back ever again because I felt I was totally deflated by your comment. This man hearing this fell to his feet, fell off his feet, fell to his knees, and was holding on to this fellow crying and begging forgiveness. So goes the story. I don't know what the outcome was. I don't know if he forgave him. I don't know if everything turned around again in his life. But it's a time. Not we have. We don't have to wait till Erev Rosh Hashanah, Erev Yom Kippur. An expression of Avas Yisrael to ask forgiveness. If I have ever hurt anybody, and I talk about myself as well. Then I would ask forgiveness publicly, openly, so that they don't bear a grudge. And if anyone was hurt, I ask forgiveness for that as well. And it's a recommendation that perhaps you don't have to do it in public, online, in front of who knows how many people are going to listen to this. But if you know of anybody, that you would think maybe you should apologize to, or maybe you should just, maybe you think that they felt inferior to you, even if you didn't say anything to them necessarily. Somebody that you could boost their spirits. I have actually a guy, I hope he doesn't listen to this year. Mm-hmm. I don't have a guy, I mean, I come into shul one morning, a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, 5.30 in the morning, and there's this young fellow standing by the front of the shul, do have any word for word, mysticus, sweetness, so sweetly, word for word, slowly, out loud, it was beautiful. I never saw this fellow before in my life. When he finished, he walked past me to put back his sitter. I told him, thank you. That was beautiful. He, he almost burst out into tears. He says, you're welcome. And then every day I, when, I, when he comes and I see him, I thank him for his davening and I, I just greet him. I, I don't know who this fellow is. The other day he came over to me, told me I'm getting married next week. My offer of his Shabbos, please come join us. I don't know his name, he doesn't know my name. But this random connection, pure Avis Israel for no nothing, for naught with no 
It's unconditional. I have no pnia. I don't know this kid. I don't know who he is. I didn't know he was. I didn't know he wasn't married. Where's the talus? And I will tell you now, Rabbi say, I will probably not go to Zafrif. Um, he's being called up to the Torah in the Rebbe's room. I don't go into the Rebbe's room. I told him that though. This morning he came later. And he was davening in the front. And it was relatively quiet in Shul. There were a lot of people in Shul already. And later means not 5.30, but probably 6.30, 20 to 7. And he started to daven his regular sweet way. The stairs. A fellow walked all the way to the front of the shul just to look him in the face to say, Mr., you know what you sound like? He didn't say anything to him. I hope. But the whole show. And I started to wonder to myself, is it me that it, that it didn't bother me per se? That I enjoyed it? That I thanked him for it? Or maybe everybody else is right. And he's very disturbing. And very I said, no. No, and the proof that I have is the way the fellow accepted my not olive branch, my compliment. This is something that we need to understand how we have to face and build our Avas Yisrael to a fellow Jew. Unconditionally. Don't have to get anything in return. I don't need anything from you. Really is what we'd like to say to you, everybody. I don't want your honey, I don't want your sting. But, anyone, Rebid, you're a fellow Jew. The Chaim and the Chaim of the Vrachan. That was way off the mark because there's no way I have time not to do it here. Dvarim is known, as we said many times during the Shir of Dvarim, it's called Mishnah Teira, it's the fifth of the five books. It's a repetition, it's not a book on its own entity, it is a repetition. And we've explained many times the spaces between and what they represent, etc., etc., you may listen to the archives. I'm not going to get into that now. But Dvarim itself, like all Teda, is word of the Abishta, the word of God. But we're told, Meisha spoke the words of Chumash Dvarim from Rishchei Shvat until he passed away, 37 days. And this is done differently. The first four, Reish, Shmeis, Vikram, Bamidbar, Moshe spoke in Hashem's name, on behalf of Hashem. Dvarim, Moshe speaks in his own name. Through Ruach HaKedish, if you keep the score at home, the Gemara Megillah 31, side 2, Lamed Aleph on the base. It's a taste of that. So the first four, Meisha Pasha was a messenger. And he came to transcribe Nebuchadnezzar's words. 
and to convey them to Bnei Yisrael. As he received it, he gave it over to the Jews. Torah moves on, and everything transcends inherently. So the finite, the mortal mind included, if God transmitted the entire Torah in this manner, then anything we would grasp actually would all be divine. It would all be godly. But in our own wisdom, not necessarily would, be, would we be able to apply it. Comes Chumash Devarim. God communicated His word to Moshe in a manner that Moshe should internalize it to the Jewish nation, to the world. And therefore Moshe speaks in his own name. And he conveys the the divine wisdom. And he conveys it to the people, to their minds. And thereby, this divine wisdom becomes now graspable by human mind. Which the human mind generally cannot understand the esoterical, the great spheres of the Kabbalah, of the highest spheres. Where do we get the tool to be able to do this? This is done through the repetition of Chumash Devarim done through Moshe's Das and therefore he made it into a, hum- into a human capacity and therefore it's called Mishnah Teira, the repetition of Teira it's a review of all the four books so since Devarim now has a dual quality it's the word of God but yet it brings down the human comprehension By extension, all the rest of the Torah gets the same thing. And since Mesha's role is to connect every Jew, every member of the Jewish community, with God, this became reality through the study of Torah. By studying Torah, we are able to connect to God. How? Through the virtue of the Book of Devarim, which Mesha spoke in his own name. We find something very interesting. It says, Be'er is a Teda Hazes. Mesha explained this Teda. This is chapter 1, verse 4, Perikal of Pasuk Dalit. Be'er is a Rashi. Rashi explains, very, very long Rashi. Four words, Beshivim Lashem Pirshalem. He explained it in 70 languages. Mesha's simple intention. Since Moshe is the one, the conduit between God and man, and since Moshe is making Teda a knowledge that is comes into the capacity of the human mind because he is the one that's bringing it down that way, therefore... Since he knew that Jews are going to end up in exile in all different parts of the world, 
He explains the Chathil of the Tater B'Shivim Lashen in 70 languages, so that wherever the Jews may be, they will be able to study Tater in their language. Ultimately, because of this divine intervention, we find when a translation of something is done in the Tater, it's done divinely because it's translated from something that was already done before. And he had this transcribed in 70 languages. We have a little problem. There's a famous story. There's a Gemara called Masechta Seifrim. It's not from the actual Gemara Sanchas. It has a little different twist to it. Perik Aleph Halacha Zayin in Seifrim tells us this story. Talmai HaMelech came and took five sages and he told them I want you to write the Torah in Greek and he put them in five different rooms and took away their smartphones so they couldn't text each other. There was no communication between them and they had to translate the Teda in Greek. And there were different things that they translated, a little tweaked. And every one of them did the exact same tweak in their translation, which saved the Jewish nation. However, says the Masech Seifrim. This day that these five sages were sat down to do this was as hard for the Jews as the day that the eagle was made, the golden calf was made. Why? They could not translate it the way it should be. And therefore, it was a terrible day. This brings up a tremendous question here. Maisha translated it in 70 languages. What's the big deal that they translated it in Greek? Obviously, Maisha did it before. you got to tell me the Greek must have been one of the languages. Moshe knew the Jews were going to end up in the Greek hands. So let us get the wording straight here. It doesn't say it was compared, the translating was not compared to the sin, the Cheta Egel, to the sin of the Egel. But Yem Shenasa Egel, the day the Egel was made. This is a very sticky point here. Both the creation of the golden calf and the translations written for Talmai Amelech 
were not with the, with the intent that they were meant to be. Not Talmai wanted it because he wanted Torah, and not the Jews made the eagle because they wanted a God. However, the end result was catastrophic by both. By the sin of the eagle, the Torah tells us, or the commentaries on Torah tells us, the Ramban, to be exact, B'nai Yisrael also says, The Ramban says that the Jews made the golden calf not to God forbid, trade in God. That was not the intent. They were just putting in, filling in for Moshe. And this is what they said. This man, Moshe, that we have, we don't know what happened to him. And they saw, therefore, all this time, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Almighty God, took an intermediary, a human intermediary, and put him between the Jewish nation and God, which was Moshe. He was the go-between guy. And when they had a complaint, they went to Moshe, and Moshe complained on their behalf. And when God had a message, he gave it to Moshe, and Moshe related to the Jewish nation. So Moshe was the go-between guy between God and the Jews. In other words, they knew that this has to be a go-between guy. And not only that, but Moshe was a shepherd that cared for his flock in a way that everyone felt that it was me that he was looking after. And Moshe himself says to the Jews, Anoichi oimid ben Hashem uveneichem. It's in Chumash Devarim, chapter 5, Pasuk 5, verse 5. But I paid a K, Pasuk K. When Moshe says, Anoichi oimid ben Hashem uveneichem. I'm standing between you and God. Excuse me, between God and yourselves. Now all of a sudden they saw he's not coming down. And we all know that the Sutton showed a picture of Moshe lying on a bed. They needed somebody else. They needed something physical that's going to be the go-between between them and God. So they made an eagle. They made a golden calf. They weren't making themselves a God. They were making themselves a go-between. In other words, the intent was good. They built the Mishkan. The holiness of the Mishkan, the holy temple, the tabernacle, was made to rest godliness there, in a physical mundane, gold and silver and everything. Between the Shnei Akruvim that were made, the Cherubim that were made in the Kedah on top of the Ark, on top of the Arun, it was Vilsta. And they knew from there, Yotzad Varashem Venigusa Hashkina, that God's word came out and the Hashkina was revealed. So what do you want? So they made a golden calf to be this. Vessel for them. 
to bring down a physical creation on this world that does something for them to, between them and God. There are four faces in Merkava. One of them is Pnei Ari, Pnei Sher, and they chose Pnei Sher, face of the ox. Their grave mistake, however, when Akadosh Baruch Hu, when Almighty God determines to reveal Himself through something, whatever it might be, we only feel godliness. We feel the words of God. Nothing else. This physical vessel becomes godliness. And this whole mission of this vessel, of this this idea, this physical thing, is only to transmit godliness and the word of God. When the person themselves decides they're going to make that conduit themselves, they're going to make this connection between them and God. Now you're running out of you're running out of your territory. You're out of your league, and therefore you're running into two different um, properties, shall we say? And this ends up to be Avedizara Mamish. And therefore, it's as stringent as the day that the eagle was made. Not that the eagle was served. Same thing with the translation. When Moshe translated the Teda, he did it through God. And therefore everything that was there was pure and holy. There was no question, there was no doubt that maybe perhaps something was misinterpreted, God forbid. When it was done through Talmai, not according to the command of God, something could have snuck in. And that's why they felt they had to change certain places. Instead of Bereshis Baralekim, which means that in the beginning God created, they didn't want it to be translated to sound like something else created God. Therefore they said, Baralekim Bereshis. God created in the beginning. For example, there's several other places as well. The Pale Baruch Hashem, no major damage came about. And the fact is that they accepted and they learned it and they looked at it and they said the Torah is beautiful. If you keep me score at home, Megillah, Tessam, and Aleph talks about this. Because they had the rule that the Torah can only be written in Greek. By writing it in Greek, not that the Torah was belittled and brought down to Greek, rather the concept, the language of Greek, 
was now elevated because it came into the words of Taylor. Which is interesting. I had a question someone asked me this week. Fellow 60 years old, so this, is, this question must be bothering him for many years. Later we're going to learn in Kiseitse about Shiloh HaKan. We discussed it, we've talked about it at great length. Sending away of the mother bird. She's asking me again, now what is this mitzvah all about? Torture the mother, torture the children. Hagufa. This is a perfect example of such a concept. The fact that everything is from God, and everything is done for God, and everything is done by God, Therefore, Tata, therefore, every physical, mundane, lowest of creatures and creations has a purpose on how to serve God. What we don't understand, what gives God what's called Nachas Ruach? What gives God pleasure? What is pleasure by God? Take a physical mundane human being, they have pleasure by a food, by a drink, by watching an event. They have pleasure sitting in a hot tub or in a physical mundane pleasures. There's zillions of them. What is pleasure by God? How do we encapsulate such a thing? It's not something that our mind's eye can grasp. Because we don't understand godliness at that level. The fact that God recreates the world over and over and over on a constant basis. And our essence, our existence is only because God is recreating us at this very moment. We can't grasp the concept of godliness. So therefore, we don't understand how it works that Tata, that something mundane, physical in this world, gives God actual pleasure. Our mundane mitzvahs that we do here in this world, God derives pleasure from. And God created the world only for that reason itself. Switching off from the parsha moment, I want to just go to a different concept. Not halachas about the fast day, but the fast day itself. Fast days are known as Yemei Rotzen. Yem Rotzen Lashem. 
a day that's wanted by God. In the days of Mashiach, we know, the, can't, the reason for fasting and for mourning will be abolished. And the prophet Zechariah guarantees us, in the book of Zechariah, Periches Pasigutes, you don't usually keep score at home about that, only Gemaras. And he says about every fast day, it will come for Yehuda, for the Jewish nation, happiness and joy, joy and happiness, and holidays of good holidays. What is this all about? The fact that the day that we fast is a sad day. And in those days, there will no longer be any mourning. I, I can understand. I'm fasting a commemoration that the temple was destroyed. Alright, I understand. This temple will be standing. Time Mashiach. Tzadus that happened to our fathers and forefathers, I understand, it's gone. When Mashiach comes, all this will be abolished. Obliterated. But what is the greatness that these days will be turned over to Mayadam Tevim, they turn to Yom Tevim. And Simcha. What does it do? What, what, is, what, is, what will it cause? So now, I'm not explaining God, but I'll ex- try to explain a fast day at, at its, on its own. Yeshaya, Navi Yeshaya says, chapter 58, verse 5, Navi Yeshaya, that as we said before, a fast day is called Yom Rotsoin Lashem, a day that is wanted by God. This day is wanted by God as a special day. Not only because we're fasting and because we're repenting, like Yom Kippur. But even days that were just mourning, reminiscing, commemorating the Churban, Sarabatevis, Shivasvatamus, Tishabov. Those days as well are to the Eirid HaLavavis and the Teach Darki to awaken the hearts excuse me, to open the path of Tshuva. Because in these days is mentioned Maaseinu Haroyim Maaseinu Shayim Kemaseinu Ata Our bad deeds the bad deeds of our forefathers which are like we do today. So bad were they, that we were, all the tzadahs was pent up against us for it. And therefore, it gives us a little wake-up call, and we turn to repent, to improve ourselves. <coughs> therefore, the days that we fast because of the destruction 
are also called Yemei Ratzin Lashem. But, these days were therefore established to elevate and to bring up through the fasting and through the tightness to awaken a person for tshuva. The person fasting asks of God that the fat and the blood that becomes less now because I'm fasting should be should be as if I brought this onto the altar itself, and I sh- it should be accepted. So the fast itself is only accomplishing, not accom- only accomplishing, the fast itself is aimed for to elevate the person. This is all in the time of Golos, when Mashiach comes. And Ruach the improper spirits will be eradicated from the world. There'll be no longer any reason to torture our bodies for repentance, to, to convince them to repent. But there'll be Yem Rotsen, a day of want of God. And at that time, therefore, we won't have to take these days. In, fa- in sack and cl- and sack, fast and sackcloth, but rather the opposite. There will be days of happiness and joy, serving God with simcha v'tuv levov, and therefore they will be reverted from tzayim v'avelus, and l'asid l'aveh will be yam tevim l'sosayinu l'simcha. May we see and merit that this very week. Let's go into a little bit of Alakis. We didn't do much on poor Parsha. But I want to get into some Alakis of Tishabov. As they are a little different this year. Although we've had the last few years Shabbos Tishabovs. So we're almost getting a hang of it. I know four years ago it was Shabbos because my granddaughters were born on Tishabab Shabbos and the next year we made a birthday party on Shabbos and then we skipped one year I think and again it was last year and again this year but it's not going to be for a while I think after this and as a matter of fact hopefully it won't be this year either um, there's a different opinions obviously because when you put two Jews together you get three opinions um, there are those that say it's prohibited the whole Shabbos like Tishbev itself those that say only from Chatzay Sayyim Erev Shabbos which is Erev Tishbev is not like the regular Erev Tishbev we, we may learn and we may do everything that we do regular on a regular day basically Uh, 
Anyone that has, say the Kavua, Yeshivas, anything else, should not be Mavatla on Erev Shabbos because of it. There are those that say it's Mutter, if a person has an established year that they always learn every day, or every Shabbos, like the Chakli Yisrael, it's a Chumash that people learn every day, the Pirish of Chakli Yisrael, or those who learn Chitas and Rambam, etc., they may do so without a problem in the morning, in, on Friday, and Shabbos in the morning, before Chatzais. The sad things that we study on Tishbav may be studied throughout Shabbos as well. People that learn Sifrichsidus, there are those that are Mekel and say that you could learn that as well. We will not say Pirkeyavis, although there are many different opinions on that. Generally, we do not say Pirkeyavis, though. By Minchu, we do not say Tzitkoscha either. The regular Zmiris on Shabbos is sung. There's a Yeshemim that says that you should eat extra something on Shabbos because Shabbos is elevated even higher with this being Tishabov. As we said before, it's Yemei Ratzin. And Tishabov in itself has a special, as it's the birthday of Mashiach, etc. Shnai Mikrevech HaTargim is also permissible till Chatzais. Not allowed to do anything on Shabbos that shows any kind of mourning. <sighs> Changing of garments to those that say you shouldn't wear the Shabbos clothes, etc. This doesn't, this is not, this should not be done. But even worse so. There are circles of Judaism they like to take this nine days business to the umpteenth level and they try to daven everything on Shabbos to the tune of the Eicha or of uh, Elitzia and things like that this is totally Osir don't care who the rabbi is and what they're saying Shabbos has no Avelis on a good uh, not a good Nathan an oval in a shiva, Shabbos is no avelus. Oval in the year, Shabbos is no avelus b'fahesia. One needs to do whatever they always do, so nobody should notice that they're an oval. Don't over-exaggerate with your shower before Shabbos. But we wear shoes on Shabbos and everything the way it's usually done. Um, places where they usually dance 
Chavit Shabbos, the Shabbos is allowed. Don't go for pleasure walks, though. You may not do anything on Shabbos preparation for Saturday night. Don't go looking for your sneakers. Don't go looking for your Eicha, for your kinnis, for anything like that. And if you find it, don't put it by the door so you remember to take it with you. Do all this on Friday if you want. If you don't believe that Matzah Shabbos, by then Mashiach will come, then do it on Friday. Have your shoes ready, whatever it is, your kinnis, whatever that is. I don't even own one. In some circles they have leather bound. There's a custom, by the way, it says that after you use the kinnis, you leave it in shul. You don't take home a kinnis. Because nobody believes the next year we're still going to be doing this. By taking it home, that's what you're saying. So the people that have the leather bound ones, I'm not taking it home because I think I'll need it next year. I'm taking it home because it's a beautiful thing and it has a slot on my shelf. And that slot will be empty if I don't put it back in. It's with my leather siddur and my wife's leather siddur and her sanarena and her carbon mincha siddur and all the other things on the leather shelf. So it'll be missing from the leather shelf. And <coughs> that was so bad. Anyway, I have to do chuva on that one again. No turning over the chairs, the benches, anything like that. No preparing the shul during Shabbos. We, you're excused. Sorry. From Shkia Zachama on Shabbos, we're not allowed to eat anymore. We don't drink, but we don't take off our shoes until the stars come out. Shuls usually start Mairev 10 minutes after this man. The reason being that people have time, say Baruch HaMavdil Ben Kodesh Lechel, write it down, Baruch HaMavdil Ben Kodesh Lechel, you have to say that before you do it, and then it's after when one Shabbos goes out, and then you change your shoes, and then you run to Shul. Probably don't run. That's supposed to run into Shabbat. We don't walk in socks. Um, then once you come to Shul, Matzah Shabbos, after this man, in other words, then the Shul gets reverted into the lower seats, and we sit and we daven Maidiv. And we no longer wash our hands. The entire dish above, we don't wash our hands further than our knuckles. Even if you go to the bathroom after Shkia on Shabbos, you should also do that. Sorry? We don't brush our teeth on Shabbos. Shabbos toothbrushes, Shabbos toothpastes, Shabbos teeth. 
You're not allowed to take, no, you're not, by the way. You're not allowed to take aspirins on Shabbos. For those that have uh, custom to take an aspirin before the fast or something like that, anything to alleviate the fasting, you're not allowed to do that either. No, you can't do anything on Shabbos that's preparing for the fast. So for the most part, you'll go to shul on Matzah Shabbos in your big day Shabbos. You'll have Mairev and Eicha, and you'll change in the morning. But the shoes, you'll change Matzah Shabbos. Um, we don't say we don't make Abdullah we do say sometime during Matzah Shabbos after Mairev probably not before Mairev usually after Mairev usually people will light two matches or a candle, two candles and everybody in shul will say You may eat shalashudas, by the way. As long as it's till shkiyazachama, till sunset, you may eat and drink anything you want. The question becomes about benching if you have a minion of people eating shalashudas together. It's not like sudas on mufsekis. You don't eat the egg or anything like that. I mean, you could eat egg salad if that's what you eat shalashudas. After Baruchu, they take off the cover, the parechas from the basin, from the Aram Kedish. And the tablecloths and everything only are taken off after this man. Um... We do say Atachan Antonu and Shmenesra. We say Am Abdul Kedish Lechel. Even though we said Baracham Abdul Kedish Lechel before. And women that are not davening might have. Before they do anything, they just say Baracham Abdul Kedish Lechel. If you forgot to do that, you'll have a nine till Matzah Tishbev when you make Abdullah on the wine, which is only made Matzah Tishbev, only wine, not Pesamim anymore. And the candle we did already in Matzah Shabbos. So Matzah, Sunday night, we can make Abdullah on wine. We can do a laundry, we can wash our hair, we can cut our nails. We should refrain from eating meat or drinking wine for pleasure until Monday morning. Not all opinions hold that way. There are those that say you may, because usually the day after Tishbev you can't, because the Vesemil is burnt until the 10th. But here, because it's already the 10th at night, some have different opinions. Um, after Kinnis, we don't say Vihinayam, we start Vata Kaddish, we don't say Vihitin Lachaz, we said before. And we don't wish one another a good or a frail
Um, those who say God from Avram, we don't say it about Shabbos. Okay, we're going to leave this year a little short because I have to listen, I have to tune into a scene which is in progress already. Yehovah the Simcha. We should not have to fast, Taka. And we should be in Yerushalayim, Yerakadish. And the Yerushalayim should be of joy and happiness. And we should all be in Yerushalayim, Yerakadish. Good Shabbos. And we should be able to say good Yom Tov.